Great. Um, thank you so much, Alessandra, for uh, joining me today. Uh, my name is Fernanda Espinosa, and I'm here with Alessandra Moctezuma. Um, and she is uh, currently at her home in San Diego. Uh, and um, we are doing an interview for the pandemic project at the Archives of American Art Smithsonian Institution. Um, all right, so let us get started. Um, so we don't have a lot of time, um, but as we discussed, uh, we really do wanna uh, cover some of the experiences of um, artists and curators and people involved in the art world during this pandemic, as well as the recent um, uprisings and shifts um, in the United States. Um, so I just want to get started by asking you how, how you've been and how you've been coping with everything. Um, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty well. I, um, I was very fortunate that I could continue my work from home. I'm a professor and curator for one of our uh, community colleges, um, San Diego Mesa College. So I was able to continue teaching online and uh, it was a little bit more challenging to continue the work <clears throat> with artists in the gallery, but we have done some programming online. And, so, and with the family that's been also uh, lucky in that my husband can also work from, from home as a professor and a writer and my, my, ki my kids, my teenage twins, they, they, they also did the shift online. So, so we're all doing okay and have figured out new routines um, to stay healthy and stay connected and occupied. That's great. Um, so um, I'd like to get started by um, asking you how you uh, navigated your uh, practice uh, during this time where we've all had to be uh, inside or in some way or another disconnected from how we previously uh, moved through spaces and um, people and with people. Um, so tell me a little bit more about how you um, navigated that world. Well, it was um, for me uh, being an artist and being a curator means being very much connected to the arts community and my student community. And so um, one of the ways that I feel uh, we get inspired and have those creative conversations is by seeing each other's artwork, uh, inviting people to our art gallery, uh, me going to see other exhibitions. And, and so it was a little bit difficult when that was completely taken away from us. And so um, when the um, order to shut down California um, came to be, we were setting up a, a beautiful exhibition at our college and working with four women artists, two ceramicists and um, a painter and a sculptor. And we were so excited to have the opening and, um, and we suddenly had to cancel everything. And we, my students had been helping with the installation of the artwork. They've been helping creating some of the um, materials for the exhibition. And so it was a, a, a big 
kind of disappointment, you know, to have to put all that work and then suddenly we were forced to shut everything down. Um, and the exhibit was almost done. So, um, so I had, I had gotten the notice that we were probably going to shut down for a period and then very quickly it changed to no now we're going to sh shut down for the whole semester so i went back to uh, the college and to my office and to the art gallery to pick up some things and i, I as i walked into the gallery space seeing all the uh the, the artists had set up this surreal um banquet with surreal uh ceramic objects and then we had this beautiful mosaic and trees and, and these paintings that gave the feeling of a, a fantasy, you know, fairy tale land. And I, as I was sitting there looking at all the beautiful work and the fact that people were not going to be able to see it, I just took my iPhone and I just impromptu went live on Facebook and started narrating and showing people everything that was there and that they wouldn't be able to come and see uh, that week. So it was, you know, it was a, uh, just a quick decision to just do that. And it was, of course, not perfect, but I think a lot of people just loved the fact that we were trying, but that we were, uh, that I was trying to deal with the situation and trying to, to at least um, provide uh, some, images and, and some connection with the artwork and with the artists. And, and, and later on, we've, we've done some projects with the artists, um, some video um, virtual interviews, but, but to me, what I feel is most, um, you know, representative of the, of the moment, of the uncertainty, of the, the just having to, you know, figure something out quickly was that, that, that impromptu video that I, that I created. And the, the show is called Ludicrous Tales. Um, and so, and it's, it's kind of become an upside down world. Uh, and, so, and now the exhibit is like Sleeping Beauty. It's, it's still in the gallery. Uh, we've gone back to photograph it, but I've, I've, all of the artists agreed to keep the show up just in the hopes that at some point we would be able to to go and see it and I, I at this time i don't know it's still you know it's still undecided will we be our campus decided to <clears throat> shut down for the fall again so everything's going to be online for the fall meaning that also they're not gonna want to have people on campus so how long can i keep that show up how long will the artist be will the artist be patient to leave that work there for the duration um the, the, it, I went back uh, when we were photographing the exhibit and what was so curious to me is anything that you leave for a long period of time, you know, it starts gathering dust and but there was some magic to this space. When I went and looked at the ceramics, there was no dust in anything and, and everything just looked clean and pristine. I don't know how that was achieved. You know, it's like maybe it's a magical space. And so, <clears throat> but it's, um, yeah, it's just really hard because we think of, you know, art making is not only the process, but it's the, the sharing of that work. And, and you can't really recreate virtually a reception or, you know, like that social engagement uh, on Zoom is like, it's not, it's not really, it doesn't really work the same. Uh, so that's what I'm, you know, that's one of the things that I, I experienced. And, and the other side of it was also my students' enthusiasm to continue the classes, um, our class, I teach a museum studies and gallery exhibition skills class. 
and I had to switch mo modality and we had to uh, meet on Zoom. And we, we would always do behind the scenes uh, visits to museums and art galleries and meet with museum professionals in their uh, vaults or uh, storage areas or in their workrooms in the museums. Uh, and what I, ha what I did is that I uh, reached out to all of my um, museum friends and colleagues and we were able to do some of those interviews on Zoom and have, the, have them come into my virtual classroom. And, and that worked actually fairly well. I even could uh, bring, bring some museum professionals from L Los Angeles. I, I brought an artist all the way from New York to our Zoom meeting. So, so there were some surprises in that, that in, in, in intimate conversation on Zoom, uh, maybe in a sense made it easier for the students to participate. Uh, and they felt more, you know, you always have the shy students who are so intelligent, but then afraid of ask questions, but they use a chat to ask questions. So, so there were certain advantages, um, but I, I continued through this time to try to keep that connection with, with artists, with um, museum professionals, and um, I, I tried to follow on social media. That's one of the, with, with all of the problematics of social media, um, it's it's unfortunately it's one of the few ways that you can you can keep in touch with people and what they're doing. Get a little bit of of that, um, you know, immediate uh, you know connection on how their day is going, how their lives are going, what they're producing, what they're making. Yes, uh, we we could have a whole other interview about social media and surveillance, but <laughs> um, yes. um, one thing I wanted to ask you, thinking about the importance of the public in your work, both as an artist and as a curator, is how do you see the impact? Um, I mean, you just mentioned basically the way you think about teaching has changed, um, but beyond um, teaching, uh, just thinking about public art um, and public space and the impact that both the public health crisis and the uh, crisis uh, with racism in the United States has had on the public space. And I'm sorry these questions so long, but I guess um, also thinking about public art and, uh, and what's happening with uh, monuments and uh, arts in, in public. So I think that um, this was interesting. Um, the, I feel that the only time I really felt comfortable going out of my house, um, because my husband is high risk, um, so I, we have to be extra careful. Um, so the only time I really felt comfortable going outside was when I went to one of the protests um, in support of Black Lives Matter. And um, my, uh, my teenagers had gone to a protest, uh, the one that happened in, in La Mesa, uh, the mm -hmm. first one here in the, in the area. And um, I let them go by themselves just so that they would have that experience of having the agency of not being you know, with a family, but be, being on, on their own. Um, and and um, my husband and I also went to, um, you know, to some of the other protests. 
And, um, and it was the first time that I was like in a group of people since everything had sh shut down. And, um, and everybody was very careful, very mindful of um, keeping the, their distance. Everybody was wearing masks. And, and the, everybody also was, um, had their signs, which was a, a way of communicating because sometimes you're with a mask, you know, it's hard to speak, but the worry that you're talking to each other is through those signs and you're talking to each other and you're talking to people who are, you know, watching and you're talking also to people in the future because you're presenting those images and those signs. And, and also right after, um, the protest in La Mesa, the protest in La Mesa ended up with some of the shopping centers getting, um, you know, burned. And so, um, so there was uh, a lot of storefronts that needed to be boarded up. And what happened uh, the next day is that groups of artists, including several artists that I knew that live in that area, went out there and started helping cleaning up and, and painting murals and just improvising the murals. We're hopeful that we're in support of Black Lives Matter. And so you see a whole range of expressions. And I've always been very connected to the power of public art. And more so, I mean, I teach museum studies, but my background is really working with Judith Baca, who was one of the leading Chicana, you know, muralists whose you know, focus is process that engages community, telling, you know, the histories that get forgotten, right? So, so the power of, of public art in that sense, the power of muralism uh, is really important. So, so seeing all of these artists coming out and creating these pieces and the artists that participated in, in the protest. And more recently, there was another group of artists that have joined together to do the um, writing in the sky, you know, with airplanes. Uh, this was Marcos Ramirez R and um, um, Harry Gamboa and other artists that got together and wrote uh, to, to um, close the detention centers and mm -hmm. uh, defund, demilitarize. So, so artists were, I, I, I believe artists are always at the forefront of, of bringing attention to these issues. Um, it's just that sometimes we don't notice, you know, when life is normal, when, when, uh, when you can go party, have fun, uh, all of the, this effort sometimes are not, you know, are not visible. But I think in this time where we are all spectators uh, shot in our homes, I think then uh, these actions as they're telecast and broadcast and um, presented in social media, they, um, they, have, uh, they have had a, a pretty uh, wide reach uh, within, at the very least within the activist and artist communities. And so, so that, that is pretty inspiring and, uh, and exciting. And, and that also, um, and at the same time, you know, you have this idea, this, some artist friends I know, they were like, we're introverts, we're, we're rather just be in our studios. And yeah, that's one type of artist, but there's another type of artist that always wants to be connected and, um, you know, connected with, with the community and try to change things. And so, um, so, so with, the, with the monuments, it was interesting, you know, these monuments that, that are being taken down and there were some monuments of Christopher Columbus that one was taken down here in Chula Vista, but 
those monuments never really spoke about people or community. You know, those monuments were just kind of a celebration of these figures in history uh, that are very problematic and, um, and that are representing a kind of status quo that has kept other people oppressed and exploited. But the counterpoint of that is this, you know, mural movement, this, and, and to me it also, a lot of it, you can connect back to the WPA and the Mexican muralist that were using this as a voice to speak out for the, we know for the for the people who are the most oppressed, and so so it's interesting that kind of this counterpoint of this effigies of um, you know of, of misguided like power being taken down and the rise of this um, popular you know images murals. Um, sometimes they uh, it was not only in 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 New York there were several artist friends that were also boarding up the buildings and putting up murals. So it was really an interesting counterpoint between those two things. So, so that's, um, I think, some of the um, things that I've been thinking about um, during this time. Mm -hmm. um, so I have um, two more questions that I, I wanna make sure I ask you before our time is up. Um, and, and kind of to continue on the same uh, line of thought, I'm wondering how you see your work um, as a as an activist and as a as a curator, as a teacher, and and any of your practices. How do you see it going forward um, in ways that are are different from from before? Well, I think that um, I realized that I've always made it a very important part of my work as a curator, as an artist to kind of elevate the voices of fellow artists of color, you know, black artists, uh, artists that were speaking about social justice issues. So if you, if I look back at my 20 years curating at Mesa College, you know, so many of those artists are artists that, that speak to um, those kinds of topics that are very relevant today, but that have always been in my mind because as somebody who came to the, this country who's Mexican, who's an immigrant, um, who's a woman, you know, uh, who had friends in Los Angeles who were from all over and, um, and connected more with, with their um, experiences than and that the experiences of kind of like an elite in, you know, my parents were very highly educated, you know, they were part of kind of the arts in Mexico, but they also instilled in me an, an appreciation of art that is, that is from the people, as opposed to all, on, only the, the, this division of like the high art. So I, um, so I think that I'm trying to figure out, okay, so I've done this, I, I think I've, I've done a fairly good job of, in trying to present this artwork, albeit if it's a setting that might be might not have the you know the, the audience the large audience that you might have in a museum you know it's a college gallery and yet the conversations that we have with the students are have been amazing you know in february we had a show that dealt with 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 slavery with the effects of slavery was an artist who was talking about um issues like police brutality uh and the students were so engaged with this uh, exhibit and and i ca and when i saw all of those same students participating in this protest i understood why 
having that forum to talk about these things was so important. So, so as a curator in an, in, a, in an academic setting, I can, you know, I can do that job of presenting things, but what else can I do? And, and a lot of my students in the museums have lost their jobs. They've been furloughed. Some of them have been laid off from their positions because of the museums closing down. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm trying to emphasize, so I'm gonna shift focus to emphasize also more the, the work in, in community arts organizations. Because, um, because I think even though, you know, I love going to a museum, I love looking at the history of art, I love looking at art from other places. I also love going to the small community art center and seeing the work of, you know, uh, an outsider artist or, or an indigenous artist. And, and I, I, I would like to find a way to advocate more for the lesser known community arts organizations. I think Jacobin had an article the other day about, you know, is it, is it possible to have um, kind of a culture, you know, support of, of our culture from the left. And I think that that everything is always relegated either to the world of academia or sometimes it's relegated to a world of institutional critique, which is very important, obviously. It's like taking down those sculptures, right? But on the other hand, I feel that a lot of the same academics don't know about the small community arts nonprofits that are, have been doing the work. You know, how many people know that there's a, a, they're trying to do a, a museum of Chicano Park, you know, and the history of Chicano Park, and that they need the funding and that they need the support. Um, and there's, an, there's always this inequity in that the big organizations, you know, the big museums have access to the powers that be. You know, they have the big board, the wealthy board members, but the small community arts organizations, they, they don't necessarily. So, so I'm trying to figure out as, as, an in, as somebody who knows this and who does have connections with a broad number of artists, community arts organizations, but also knows people in museums. I also know people in the city. How can I advocate, you know, for these smaller institutions? And also because I feel that you know, historically, sometimes big organizations, um, I remember when I was an artist, if you showed in a museum, the museum was like, well, we are not going to pay you because we're already giving you this, this presence in the museum. And, uh, and, and, and that is very, that's a big, big, huge issue and a problem. And I think it's changing. I think younger artists are realizing that that's not the case. On the other hand, you have small community arts organizations who, you know, who try to find funds to, you know, to pay some to an artist. And, and so I, I, at this time where, yeah, I don't get to go to the arts events, I wanna focus more on how can I, sh how can I help shift that paradigm, you know, of how can we support better art across the board and art that is also, you know, coming from the streets, coming from community. Uh, and how can we channel the, the funds that are available for art? You know, the greatest thing was when we had the New Deal and the WPA, and there was a huge during the to resolve the issues of the depression. You know, FDR decided to you know to fund the arts and to support artists. And so I feel so we so much need something like that because the NEA is you know the amount that that we get from the NEA and other um, government um, funding agencies is very small. And uh, and again, uh, um, a lot of it is not as, as distributed as well. You know, the the community organizations might not have the 
the professionalism or the grant writer that can write that grant, you know, to, to get the, the, the money. So, so now that I have time to, you know, to consider and to help and to train my students, I'm, I'm going to try to fit some of those, the, those things in. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and to your answer, it's been amazing to see, um, so many of these very autonomous community organizations create huge networks of mutual aid within weeks of the crisis. Um, and I, yes, I totally agree with you that that's uh, really important. Um, and just to end our, our conversation, I wanted to make sure I ask you if you've been uh, creating or writing anything during these last few months that um, that you want to share? Sure. About. Yeah. So I I have been you know it was busy the transition to online. We also had to get certified to teach online. So it's been pretty. I've worked probably more hours during this time than other times. But I did uh, do a few sketches and images that were uh, reflecting on the political issues. So I did uh, some images that reflected on you know, supporting our essential workers and the wearing of masks and, uh, and another kind of critique of the administration's, you know, um, lack of leadership with the situation. And they're mostly been in, in the way of quick uh, sketches. I, I really love um, political cartoons and also political posters. Uh, another aspect of what I teach in my Chicano art class, besides the murals, is also, you know, posters. So I, I did make so, uh, uh, one, some of these images as examples for my students because I, want, I wanted them to create posters that were relevant to the moment. So I wanted to just show them something that I had done. And also, I wanted them to not be so afraid of creating something with very rudimentary materials because Unfortunately, I don't have a studio, you know, I don't really, I really focus so much in curating that I've never really set up a proper studio, but I've, I'm still uh, have a, a hidden sketchbook underneath my, my pillow, you know, that I, I go in there and I, I quickly sketch things and, and then I, I post them on social media because I, I also never go do the work of like submitting for exhibits or things like that. I just post them on my own social media and, and get them out that way. And actually, you know, it was nice because one of them was was picked up by a peace and uh, justice organization, and and they, you know, they uh, shared it, and so uh, so I so it's so whatever I created did speak to them, uh, but they're very modest. But um, but I love artists like Posada, you know, who created the, the quick, you know, illustrations for the newspapers. I, I, I love to just do something in the moment uh, as a as a kind of um, critique on a journal of the time. So that's basically what I've been doing. Great. Um, well, thank you so much. Is there, uh, before I stop recording, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to document in this interview? Um, I think that that's great. I think, I, I think that you gave me uh, opportunities to talk about a lot of these things. Um, I just wish there was a better way to keep connected um, with, you know, with the artists and uh, that we had, um, you know, better ways to have uh, deep conversations, um, 
like I said, social media is like the only way that you do it, but it's not really appropriate and not, not, a, not, not a good um, platform for, for true dialogue. So, um, so yeah, so that's my hope that as we continue on this lockdown situation that we, um, you know, that we figure out new strategies to connect. All right. Thank you so much, Alessandra. You're welcome.